All right, everyone. Welcome to episode number four of Go With The Flow. I forgot the name of my own podcast <laughs> for a second. Um, my fourth guest is Haley, Haley Colburn. Um, yeah. I always, I've been saying how I met each of my guests to start, but I don't even know how we met. Do you know how we met? No. Yeah, I don't even remember how we met. I, we probably met through social media before Princeton. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I feel like most of my freshman introductions are like street related. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> and enough. I don't remember a lot of them. <laughs> uh-huh. Actually, I didn't even know I was going to ask about this. Did you come to Princeton Preview? Yeah. And did you, okay, and for people who are listening, Princeton Preview is. When after you get accepted into Princeton when you're in high school, you get to come to the campus for a day or two and you get hosted by a current student and you kind of get to see what the campus is like and all that good stuff. So you did come to that. Yeah. And did did, did you find that you made a lot of friends from that or no? Yeah, so um, when I came to Princeton Preview, I had met a couple of people on social media and I kind of like met up with them. And I mean, I'm still like acquaintances with a lot of the people I met at Preview, but at Princeton Preview, I met... Nico, mm-hmm. and it was love at first sight. Okay. He was gonna be the best man at my wedding. Like, I love to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I, I just that just randomly came to my mind. I don't even know why. But um, so could you just introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from. Tell us some of the things that you do around campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, my name's Haley. I'm from Wichita, Kansas. Um, every time I tell someone at Princeton I'm from Kansas, they're always like, do you live on a farm? Like, Where's that? Do you, live, do, you, do you live on a farm? <laughs> I do not live on a farm. Okay. Um, yeah, around campus, uh, I'm a junior in the English department, pursuing certificates in gender studies and African American studies. Um, I'm a peer academic advisor, so I advise like a group of freshmen and sophomores, and I really love that. And then I also intern for my home department, the English department, which is also a really great job. And um, throughout my time at Princeton, I've been involved in a few different writing groups. A lot of them weren't the best fit. Mm-hmm. So um, Selma, a good friend of mine, started the Black Writers Workshop last semester, and that's something I've really kind of taken um, a role in trying to get established before I graduate. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, so you mentioned AAS, and I just wanted, this is just <laughs> really funny. So we... This is, uh, we've had one week of classes at this point. When this comes out, like three weeks from now, we'll have, we'll have had more weeks of classes. But Haley and I were in a class together two di- up until two days ago, um, African American history up until 1863. I'm also an AS major. <laughs> and so that's, a, that's one of the survey classes that you kind of have to take as a requirement. And so the class starts, and I always, on Zoom, I would always go through and just see who I noticed in the class. I'm like, yeah. okay, cool, I see Haley, I see some other people. And then at the end of the class, um, it's time for everyone to introduce themselves. And the way we did it was popcorn style. So we actually had to, like, someone would call on you, and then you called on someone else to sort of go next. Yeah. And then when it was my turn, um, I introduced myself, and I'm, like, scrolling through the screen. I'm like, where where, where did Haley go? <laughs> and you were nowhere to be found. So what, what, ha- what happened there? Okay, so I mentioned I'm in the English department. Mm-hmm but I don't take very many classes in my home department, which mm-hmm. is a problem because I need my requirements to graduate. So when I was in that class, I was just thinking, like, do I need to take this specific class this semester? Because it's AAS history, and I'm not in the history department. Mm-hmm. I don't have all my requirements for the English department yet. So it just made more sense for me to, like, swap the class. But then I was thinking, like, is it cruel to drop a class while I'm in it? I was going to say, if I was a professor (laughs) and I noticed that, I would have felt a little bit bad. I know. I would have thought, maybe just, like, wait till the end of the class. Just introduce yourself at least to that. That's the thing that made me leave, though. She said introductions. And low-key, like, sometimes on Zoom, I get nervous. (laughs) (laughs) The thought of, like, introducing myself in front of 35 students for no reason because I dropped the class. So I figured it was just best to leave while she was still screen sharing and fair enough. wouldn't notice. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And honestly, I do feel that. Intra- for some reason, that is a pressure that has not really gone away, even if you're on Zoom. Even in person, if you have to introduce yourself to a bunch of new people, you get a little bit nervous. I find the exact same thing. If it's on Zoom and I see the numbers are like pretty high, I get kind of nervous. The amount of times that I forget what my major is, I forget what my last <laughs> name is, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But yeah. Um, so... I think the way I first knew you and the way a bunch of people might have first known you was that you were, or you are, 
was Miss Teen USA yeah. in 2018. And um, when I first saw that, I think my first reaction was, okay, this is pretty cool. And then my second reaction was, how do you, how does someone get into doing pageants? So could you kind of just speak a little bit about why you decided to go into pageants and kind of how you found your way to that spot to then win <laughs> Miss Teen USA? Yeah, so um, I think my fascination with pageantry began really early because my mom and I would watch um, all the shows together, like the bad ones, not the bad, but like the questionable ones, like Toddlers and Tiaras. Yeah. But then we would also watch um, the Miss USA pageant and the Miss America pageant every year together. And that was like a little ritual for us that I really cherish and still do cherish, like if I'm home, we watch them. Um, and then when I was nine, we got this letter in the mail for a pageant for like younger girls called National American Miss, and I really wanted to do it. And my parents are, um, I don't know, one thing that I really value that I think if I ever had kids I'd do is they would make me and my brother like justify why we wanted to do an activity. Yeah. So they made us write this letter like stating what we thought we would gain from it value-wise. And when I was growing up, I was so timid. Like, I came out of the womb as a nerd. Like, I would take a book with me everywhere. I wouldn't make eye contact with people. <laughs> so when I told my mom I wanted to do a pageant, they were confused at first. And then when I told them, like, why I wanted to do it, I think they really saw the value in it, too. And um, when I did my first one, I got, like, top ten. And I started crying, and my mom was like, why are you crying? I felt it. And I was like, Mom, I'm so happy. And I think her seeing that reaction, um, she understood like that I was gaining some really valuable lessons from it, too. Because like, the one I did when I was a kid, um, you weren't allowed to wear makeup. You did like a personal introduction on stage where you talked about your ambitions. Um, you did an interview portion. So it, they really do, like, some systems are great about having activities that help instill like really important qualities in younger girls and then when I turned 14 that's when I started doing like the more serious pageants that had swimsuit at the time and like I was wearing stilettos at, like 14 <laughs> which looking back I'm like well when I was doing it I like loved it you know um and yeah, and then I kind of just did, like, a pageant a year, every other year, until I was 17, and then that's the year I applied for Princeton, and the college was always my top priority, like, academics have always been the most important thing in my life, um, when I was in high school, um, obviously behind, like, family and yeah. stuff like that, but, um, so I was really concerned about school, and the pageant was just, like, a fun thing I got to do on the side, and then I won the Kansas pageant, so I was Miss Kansas Teen USA. And then I started prepping for Miss Teen USA, but during that year, I got into Princeton, mm -hmm. so I was, like, set. You know, like, I had a plan no matter what happened with the pageant, and I was just ready to go to college and, like, be a student, and then I ended up winning Miss Teen USA. Yeah. So that really changed, like, the trajectory of my freshman year in college. Gotcha, gotcha. And you kind of mentioned that um, I like what you said about your parents making you write down the value that you're sort of going to get out of things and the reasons that you want to do certain things. And I know that with something like pageantry, there probably are a lot of misconceptions and stereotypes about people who do that. So what would you say are some of those valuable lessons that you were able to learn that are going to really go forward with you and are going to be able to make a difference in your life the way people might think that you the way people might think you might not necessarily get something out of doing something like pageants yeah um I'm trying to think because so I, I mean I've had like good and bad experiences yeah. in pageants like it hasn't been all rainbows and sunshine but it also hasn't been all like bad mm -hmm. um and I think it's important to acknowledge I'm, I'm sounding like such like a Princeton student here <laughs> but in the through like the GSS department and the AS department I've been able to really kind of dive into like the history of pageants and I'm working on a project this summer that goes into more depth with that yeah but like those misconceptions aren't completely invalid like because the history of pageantry is 
questionable when you like really look into it mm-hmm. um like i think miss america had a rule until the early 70s that the winner had to be white mm-hmm. and, oh, it had to be white yeah wow, yeah okay and like the miss america pageant is the earliest conception of like a modern pageant that we have yeah and it started as like a, like a capitalist portrayal of women that people would come to the boardwalk you know yeah so um those misconceptions aren't like rooted in nothing, but then you have people like Paula Schubert, who's the president of um, Miss Universe, who have worked so hard to undo those sort of things and have really emphasized like the intelligence of women and have put this like feminist spin on a questionable history, if yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But within my own personal experience, um, like I said, I was super timid, like debilitatingly so. So I think just the ability to like talk to people was um, something I honestly gained. Like I remember being nine or ten, like surprising myself, like introducing myself to people at orientation because mm-hmm. that's something that I wouldn't do like in school at the time, or um, being able to like speak on a stage is something that I really value and. You know, doing that at, like, nine in front of a ballroom full of people, I feel like was really um, important for me, like, learning to public speak. Because public speaking is scary, you know, like, so many people are afraid of that. And having done that, like, repeatedly throughout my life, I feel like really taught me a valuable lesson. And um, just, like, how to conduct yourself, but also, like, how to to understand who you are. Like, growing up in pageantry is super weird because you're, like, presenting yourself to people um, repeatedly Mm -hmm. as you're growing up and like changing and as I grew up like the things that I'd say was my ambition would like change throughout the years you know so I feel like it it was really good for like professional skills but also just like self-development and getting to know myself as I was growing up gotcha yeah and honestly uh like you said about public speaking, I think it's one of the best skills to learn. One of the reasons that I'm doing this podcast is to become better at conversations, both with people that I'm like really good friends with and people that I might not know as well. So definitely a, a very good skill to develop. And you mentioned that um, you had both good and bad experiences with it. Could you speak on both the good and the bad? Maybe some of the things people might not know that you might have to go through uh, doing pageants, being Miss Teen USA. Yeah, so... Before I won Miss Teen USA, I competed in the teen version of the Miss America pageant mm-hmm. at the state level, and there was one year, and there were two years where the judging was kind of questionable, and I was the only black girl in that pageant every time I competed, and I mean, I definitely was in denial after I got second runner-up, like, I was like, oh, it's you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But my mom was so adamant that there was, like, something else going on. And then she dug a little deeper, and turns out, like, the judges knew some contestants, like, knew each other, and they were all from, like, small-town America. Yeah. <laughs> and inevitably, like, with some stuff that's come up about Miss America in the past few years, like, race definitely plays a level in some of the state pageants. Um, and, I mean, the organization is, like, trying to undo some of the bias, but it's, it's wrapped up in the history, you know? So I think that's one of my first clear experiences of like being part black, getting in the way of something for mm-hmm. me. Cause I think I definitely grew up sheltered, but that's the first time something happened to me and I was like, Oh, like this is because I'm part black. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> that's the year before I went on to win like the state pageant that got me to the big one. So, I mean, everything happens for a reason. Like, it was all God's plan, but, um, yeah, like, race definitely <laughs> played a factor. And then after I won this Teen USA, um, I was on cloud nine, but then a couple weeks later, I started to notice, like, the comments on social media and, like, on the YouTube live stream, and people are cruel. There were so many people on the live stream that were saying, like, oh, token black winner, or like, oh, yeah. she's just winning because she's going to Princeton. And as much as that sucked, mm-hmm. I think it gave me thicker skin. And, you know, we live in a world that's so, like, public now yeah. that if you want to do anything, 
anything in the public sphere, like you have to learn how to deal with the backlash. Yeah. Even, so. with, even with this, honestly, you're right. Because even with this right now, I've looked at the listenership for the first episode. It's it's okay. Mm-hmm. If potentially this does go somewhere, that is one thing that I think about is like, oh, I am the one putting this out there and putting myself out there. So I kind of have to be able to accept whatever comes back, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly interesting when you just spoke about the type of backlash that you received on social media because I think a lot of us, at least for myself, we have never actually been on the other side of that. We only ever see it happen to other people and we might even be the ones who might say some things. I know for myself, first of all, I don't like to say anything crazy online, but I'm a big sports fan <laughs> and I am less than nice about the players on my team when they don't do as well, but obviously I never like at them, but I just put stuff in the world like, oh my god, this dude sucks. Mm-hmm. And I never kind of realized that it is a person on the other side who might look at it and might see it and might have his feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. And obviously the stuff that you were receiving are a lot, a lot more mean, a lot more racist than the things that like someone like me or just anyone else is put into the universe but I do think no one really takes a second to realize that the things that they say have someone on the other side who might potentially be listening to it so that's that's a very interesting thing to sort of think about well I think there are also like conducive ways to deal with it because even though that was really hard because I was 17 when I won yeah I was my first year in college away from my family and then I was dealing with that like it was very emotional and I didn't confide in a lot of people, but I had like a really hard time my freshman year because of that. But in a weird way, I'm also grateful for it because it's like one of the biggest reasons I'm getting the certificates that I am yeah. and why I'm doing like the project I'm doing this summer. So even though sometimes what people say sucks, like you can either ignore it and let it make you stronger or you can like figure out why people are thinking the way that they're thinking and like what you can do to fundamentally change that yeah. you know yeah and i agree there's there's definitely a, a lesson in everything and it's good that you've at least been able to put that positive spin on it and uh just a few more questions in relation to to that um first what is the atmosphere like between you and your other contestants because i look <laughs> at that and i feel like when you get on stage, everyone's all smiley, lovey-dovey, but then backstage, it's like, oh my god, I hate that girl. I'm going to like take her out, do whatever I have to to kind of get an advantage over her. So what, what is your experience with the other girls that you've competed against? Um, so when I was younger, I'd say like 14, 15, I definitely noticed that sort of environment in some pageants. Um, but I feel like it's rare like, most of the girls, especially at the teen level, are just having a good time and make really valuable friendships. And then when I was competing in, like, the massive one, like Teen USA, yeah. most girls are just happy to have gotten to that level. Because it, it takes a lot to get there because you have to beat out a lot of girls at your state level. Um, and it's a kind of a crazy experience. You get a lot of free stuff. Like, it's a, always a beautiful venue. So most girls are just grateful to be there. And then... I mean, if there is any cattiness, I feel like I never really experienced it or engaged with it because I, like, I'm an introvert. I'm mm-hmm. such an introverted person. There were probably a handful of girls that I talked to about to stage, and beyond that, I was listening to, like, podcasts. Like, I would listen to NPR politics, like, <laughs> hype me up, or I had, like, a playlist that I would listen to when I did my makeup. So, I mean, it's probably out there, I don't know, every now and then, but... Mm. I feel like it's not as common as people expect it to be in pageants. Gotcha, gotcha. And then sort of the just the last question, what what opinions do you think people formed of you because of pageants? And do you think that at this point you've been able to sort of prove that you're more than just someone who participated in one in Miss Teen USA? Yeah, so one thing I heard coming to Princeton, which was so funny to me because I literally came to preview before I won. Yeah. People were saying, like, oh, she got into Princeton because she won this. But you're already won when you won. Yeah. You're already in when you won. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about my roommate, Mikaylin, because she, <laughs> she admits when she heard about the pageant, she thought I was going to be mean. Wow. And a brat. And wow. now we're like best friends. And Mikaela's in the background right now hearing all this. This is Haley's current roommate, so, wow. Good to hear that, Mikaela. Wow. Yeah, and, like, I've had people tell me that they didn't think I was going to be as, like, nerdy or, like, weird. Mm. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, like, I'm just a 
a regular person. I'm a student like everyone else, and I feel like people use social media to form ideas based on people. And yeah. It's just not accurate. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And we will potentially get into social media more later. But I also, no, because I'm not going to lie, I did see that and I was like, okay. Um, I, didn't, I didn't form an, a, a Mikhailan <laughs> opinion and think you would be mean or whatever. But I was like, I was just intrigued because I didn't know what to expect. I had never known anyone who did pageant before. So, yeah. But so kind of shifting gears a little bit into some things that you do around campus. Mm-hmm. You have a, or had a column called what was it called hookups with Haley. hookups with hails that's the name haley hookups haley. with haley with haley okay and the way that this came across uh the, the way that i found out about this is one of my friends is actually featured in it and he pointed my attention to it and it was one of the funniest things that i've ever read before so i'm just kind of curious about what the inspiration was behind that and will you be keeping that going and honestly if for anyone who doesn't know please check it out they make some for some very interesting reads yeah so i this was a a thought in my brain like years before i actually wrote the first one because i the summer after my freshman year i like binged all the sex in the city and then during the pandemic i did a lot of reading about the woman who kind of revamped Cosmopolitan magazine in the 60s. And it made me think about, like, how writing about sex as a woman is liberating in a way because it's something that you're not supposed to, like, do or think about as a woman. Yeah, kind of like a taboo topic in a way. Yeah, and I was thinking about how hookups function at Princeton and... It's like any other campus where, um, in a heteronormative relationship, like guys are congratulated, women are expected to like keep it under wraps. So, I was just really um, curious as to how, like Princeton would respond for hookup stories to just be like out there in the open, and everyone talks about Princeton as a place where like people don't date and hookup culture is like the prevalent form of intimacy. So I thought it would also be really valuable for like incoming freshmen to understand what their culture was like before they engaged in it themselves and were kind of blindsided. Yeah, and it's just funny to like see two different people's accounts of this same the same book thing up that and was how one... different they are. <laughs> yeah, that was one, that was one of the funniest. And obviously, we're talking about consensual relationships and all that type of thing. But that was one of the funniest aspects to me was seeing how the guy and the girl would just, or just whatever combination of people would look at the exact same scenario in completely different ways um but did you did you uh have trouble finding people to participate in the column um i have the first two picked out already and then after that it was like submission based and people came up like people reached out to me um i have one that I'll maybe publish um, the other Please 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 do. It's it's, it's entertaining stuff. It's more than two people, so. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, (laughs) that is the the only teaser you need. People people will read. (laughs) But, um, yeah, and then when people reached out to me, um, I just did my best to make it like a safe environment where they would always be able to like take something out from either narrative if it made them uncomfortable. But most people were just like, Gung-ho about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> is that something you're gonna keep doing or try to get even more submissions like if, if anyone's listening right now and wants to submit is that something that you would keep going or is it just a kind of winding it down i mean definitely reach out to me but my junior paper is the decider of what pieces actually get done <laughs> fair enough fair enough this semester this semester is something and also just real quick about this semester like i said we've only been in classes for a week do you find that you, because we're on campus and we've not been able to go to our in-person classes, and so we're just basically in our rooms all day, have you been able to just click into the school mindset, or are you like me, and do you still feel like we're still in the quarantine period from two weeks ago? Yeah, um, it does feel like the quarantine period with a little more Zoom, I Yeah, think. a little more Zoom. Yeah. Um, okay, and so kind of moving on to your... You have a page on, on Instagram for books that you read. Mm-hmm. That's one. I did a little bit of research, you know, no big deal. <laughs> Instagram deep dive. Um, first question that I kind of have is, is, because you have a lot of books on there, and I was kind of wondering, do you only, 
Are you able to read things that are not required for class, or are most of the readings that you have on there stuff that is uh, required for the class that you're in? Um, most of the reading is things I've read for fun. Okay. I'll post a reading from class if I like, genuinely enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how often do you say you read a new book? Um, during the semester, not very often, mm-hmm. but on break. It just depends if I'm enjoying it. Like, I've had books where it takes me a week to get through the first 100 pages, and then I, like, finish the last 200 in a day. Gotcha. Um, so it only fluctuates, but I have gone through periods where, like, I'll go through a book a day because wow. I have nothing else going on. I love reading. <laughs> I, that is, uh, um, last year I started trying to do, well, I started doing New Year's resolutions. In my, actually, no, it was 2019, my New Year's resolution was to read five books, and that year I actually read seven. And so then coming into 2020, I was like, okay, I read seven books. I could probably up it to like 10. I was like, okay, New Year's resolution to read 10 books. And by books, I mean uh, not required for school, so kind of just pleasure reading. Yeah. And then I ended up reading like three books, and I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe don't set the, the bar so high for myself. But how did you just, did you just create the page just to kind of showcase some of the things that you're interested in if other people might be also interested? Yeah, I mean... Not to get too, like, deeper analytical, but I have a weird relationship with reading. Mm-hmm. Because before I went to kindergarten, like, I asked my mom to teach me how to read. Yeah. So, like, I, I like, love reading. Mm-hmm. And she would take me to the library all the time. So then by the time I got into middle school, I was just, like, obsessed with books. And I would buy my own, and then I would, like, highlight quotes that I liked. And at one point, I would, like, hang them on my walls. So... For me, the Instagram is a way for me to just have a collection of, like, the books that I've read and the pieces from them that I, like, really liked. Mm-hmm. And you, okay. I honestly have no idea when people actually learn how to read. So is that early to learn before kindergarten? <laughs> um, I think so. I, I, like, I can, you know, I just came out of the woman nerd. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, I'll just also another random question. Was Princeton where you always wanted to go or was there... Were there other options that you were looking at? Or was this always the dream for you? Well, um, I did classical ballet from age 3 to 17. Mm-hmm. So for the longest time, I thought I wanted to dance professionally, and I didn't want to go to college. And then when I was 14, I had my first like serious summer intensive, and that's when I realized I didn't want to dance as a career. But I loved writing, and then Princeton's one of the best schools for writing. Mm-hmm. So then when I was 14, I decided I Gotcha. Wow, since you were 14. Nice. I um, grew up like 10 minutes away from here, and so Princeton's always been the school in the, just in the backyard for me, so I don't think I ever really appreciated it, and I actually never wanted to come here. But it was so funny because at my high school, this is like the place where everybody wants to go. The kids are wearing Princeton sweatshirts since the moment they they come out of the womb. And so for me, it was kind of a different story where my parents were like, it's Princeton, you're going to apply, it's right there. And I was like, all right, fine. But I wanted to go to Duke. Duke was always my dream school. Mm-hmm. And then I got into Duke, thought I would go there. And then the Princeton decision came out. I was like, okay, I got a decision to make. And then the financial aid came out for both. And I was like, decision made. Yeah. <laughs> Princeton, <laughs> Princeton, here we come. And so, so now here we are. But uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Everyone sort of has their own different paths to over here. Um, next thing that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit with you is charter. Mm-hmm. And so just a little bit of context for people who might not go to Princeton and are listening is, like I, I mentioned on one of the other episodes, we have the eating clubs and about half of them, like I said before, are sign in. The, so you could just sign in and you're automatically a member and the other half, half you have to bicker. So it's just a process to get in. And so charter is, was a club that was sign in. And it was a club with dwindling membership. And last year, the decision was made to try to rejuvenate the club and turn it into a bigger club, which first was, that was a controversial decision. Um, But this was kind of a movement that was pushed by a bunch of people in our grade, and I think you were part of that. So I was just kind of curious about, first, your decision to want to make that move as opposed to going with the more established bicker or signing club so just like the the reason behind that yeah um i can't take credit for the proposal though i mm-hmm. wasn't a part of the proposal okay um but i mean when i first came to princeton i thought i wanted to bicker cottage mm-hmm. because f scott fitzgerald was in cottage and 
That's a writer dude, right? I'm sorry. Yeah. I, should, I should know these things, Great but I Gatsby, don't. Okay, gotcha. Definitely have read that for a um, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I like, I don't know, I really romanticized Princeton, largely because of him as an alum, because um, I like love his writing. But then I went to college, and it just like felt weird. And then I learned more about like the racial history of college, so I was like, ah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, cottage, cottage is cottage. I don't, yeah, I'm not going to rip on cottage, because, yeah, I got good friends there. But, yeah, cottage is cottage, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I thought about Vicar and Cannon for a long time, honestly. And I went to, like, some of their events. I had some friends that were um, seniors in the club. Which yeah. Just, like, questionable, because they would have been gone, but yeah. I was, like, really in it. Um, and it was the same thing. Like, I think Cannon has some really great people. But every time I went, I just didn't feel like I fit in. Yeah. Um, and then when my friends were all, like, screaming Charter, and then I went with them to Charter, like, I don't know, it just felt like I could kick back and, like, relax, and I didn't feel like I had to be on. And, like, the outgoing president would, like, watch The Bachelor with me, even though we just met. Mm-hmm. And they were just the nicest people ever, and the building is so beautiful. So it honestly just felt right. And mm-hmm. <laughs> now that I'm, like, fully in the club, I have no regrets. Because the membership is so diverse and eclectic, but everyone's really just so kind. And, like, I feel like I could approach anyone in the club and ask them, like, hang out, and it wouldn't be weird. Gotcha. And ro- you mentioned The Bachelor real quick. Are you watching this season? Oh, yeah. Uh. First of all, thoughts on Matt James, and second of all, <laughs> who is who is your current favorite to win the whole thing? And like I said, this is um, there have only been five episodes at the time that this is coming out. When it, when it of uh, this recording, but when it comes out, it'll be like eight episodes. And so at this moment, five episodes in. Thoughts on Matt James, favorite to win the show right now? Yeah, I actually just watched the most recent episode last night. Um, I like. I mean, I like Matt. I like that he's the first Black Bachelor. I wish he wouldn't be so quick to denounce that he's, like, not fully black, Mm -hmm. because I think it's kind of taking away from, like, the moment a little bit, um, (laughs) but I like Michelle for him, the teacher. Oh, the one who just, oh, the new girl. vibes, yeah. Uh, Oh, soulmates. Okay, we talked about soulmates in episode three. Everyone, (laughs) if you're listening, that, the name of the episode is The Soulmate Theory, which I will not get into now, because I already spoke about it for, like, 20 minutes, so... Yes, listen to that episode. But okay, my personal favorite right now is uh, Brie. Okay. It's from she was from the moment she walked out the limo. I was like, she's the one. She was, yeah. And they she got like first rose or whatever. So mm-hmm. that is my current favorite. Not a fan of Michelle only because she was a new girl, and I know it wasn't her fault. And it's like the producers and Chris Harrison trying to spice things up. But it's like you can't just come on the show and then all of a sudden you get the type of priority you get the first the one-on-one date when all these girls have been here for a while i just wasn't a fan i, I wasn't a bully like the other girls like mm-hmm. victoria who was all like oh we're the og and this the Bar- jv varsity all that type of stuff yeah. but i am biased against the newer girls <laughs> so that's just that's just my humble opinion and honestly i want to potentially have an episode of this podcast where i just talk about the bachelor the whole time because I, I haven't watched it in, like, six seasons. I was random. The first ep- my Shout-out to my brother. <laughs> he watches Shout-out to Coin. He watches it every year, and he's always telling us to watch it. And I was like, okay, first episode. We were on quarantine or whatever. Let me give it a shot. <laughs> and I think it's that first episode that really gets you hooked when it's just... Even whether it's The Bachelor or Bachelorette, when it's, like, all the contestants and then the person that they're competing for, yeah. it gets you going. Yeah. It's good television. Would you ever go on the show? Oh, would I go on the show? <laughs> it is a person, not a dream of mine. Okay, and I always say this. If I'm single by, not by, at like 27-ish, I'm going to a- apply every year until they let me on the show. Mm-hmm. But short answer, I would go on the show. Mm-hmm. I, Being The Bachelor seems fantastic. Being on The Bachelorette, I could win that easily too. <laughs> Even if I had to go on The Bachelorette just to then become The Bachelor, although I know Matt James didn't do it that way. I definitely would. Definitely would. I'll send a nomination. Thank you. 25. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, just back to Charter real quick. A little, little sidetrack. But um, so would you say that the appeal of joining that was kind of being able to make it your own experience and define what you wanted out of the club? Because like I said, it was, the membership was very low. They were kind of 
potentially might have like sh- have to shut down. I don't know if that's the case, but I don't know okay, yeah. But they had such low membership, and so was the appeal the fact that you get to just take over this club and make it exactly what you want. Um, yes and no. Like that definitely was appealing, but there was just this excitement around it, and like an incredible group of people who were leading it, and. It just felt right. Like, because I, I felt more comfortable there than anywhere else. Like, in Charter, I have started um, a bachelor watch party. Wow. And I don't think I'm I have to drop my, I might have to drop my club and join Charter. We don't even actually or just propose out of my club, which is probably a lot easier. Wow, okay. Yeah, but that's the thing for me. Like, I think if I had joined any other club, I wouldn't have felt comfortable enough to, like, run for an officer position or, like, speak up and say, like, I want this event and then do it. But at Charter, like, I'm comfortable saying that to anyone because they really work hard to, like, foster an environment where members like, feel like their opinion matters no matter who they are. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that. Gotcha. And I th- it definitely was – I actually considered it for a little bit. I remember one of my roommates last year was also seriously considering it, and he – got me to almost want to do it but I don't think I was as brave as y'all are because you're sort of just starting something new and building from the ground up and I was like I we're only here for we're in the clubs for two and a half years at this point we just lost a whole year which really sucks yeah but I was like I want to just get into something that's established and a ship that's already moving and just kind of hop on and keep going with that so I really respect everyone who's kind of who was able to make that jump and do it because I definitely was not brave enough to do it and it's good to see that you guys have sort of started to get it going but how how is um how is the the gap that we've had being like off campus for a while how has that affected your plans and or has it affected anything at all for like eating clubs yeah for charter yeah so also quick clarification we decided as a club to step away from the idea of going bigger okay just because we right now we really value like how inclusive everything is and so we have like priority sign in mm-hmm. so that people have to have expressed like a certain amount of interest in the club to join but we just don't want people to feel like excluded in any way so yeah, yeah we're not we're not bigger but um i mean it definitely like covid threw wrench in a lot of plans yeah for everyone yeah um, <laughs> yeah and I don't know, like, I remember when we got the announcement that we all had to go home, I was in charter with a bunch of other members, and we just had, like, spontaneous little last hurrah, you know, and (laughs) even though we were all sad, we were, like, sad together, and then we did have a lot of virtual programming that um, people came to, and it was really nice to just see a familiar face in the middle of the week, and now that we're here, like, on campus, we did, you know, like, virtual street week and now we're doing like virtual inductions tonight so it's definitely not the year we wanted but i think it's that way for every club you know? yeah for sure and the officers um they're working really hard to keep that momentum going that we had last semester yeah so i feel like in the fall knock on wood when everything's back to normal like we'll hit the ground running again gotcha gotcha and <laughs> real quick you mentioned that that last week um when we got sent home that was, looking back on it, such a surreal time. Were you also in the boat that, of thinking that we would also be back after, like, a spring break like everyone else was thinking? <laughs> no, I was optimistic for being back in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like, I listened to New York Times Daily a lot, and they'd been covering COVID for a while. So I kind of was expecting the worst. For I just a little bit. So you were one of the you were one of the people who were actually aware of everything that was going on. <laughs> aware of it in denial. Like, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> it's not coming here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember it's crazy because the very even to this day, which is crazy to say, the very last class that I've had in person, which was eleven months ago at this point, so sad. But um, the very last class that I had, it was uh my intro to policy making class and the professor just very casually was like and this is at the point where we all thought like at the worst we will be back in the fall he was like he very casually said oh yeah the university is not going to be normal again until the the fall of 2021 and we were like wow like what are you talking about but he said it so casually with such foresight that 
he basically knew what was going to happen. And we we're all looking at him like, you're crazy, dog. What, what, are you, what are you talking about? And now at this point, we hear that reaction. We're like, wow, that guy knows something. And that is definitely someone to listen to. But also that last week was, was crazy. I remember because we it was finals, not finals, midterms week. Mm-hmm. But they made a stay to take our midterms, which is wild. They uh, Princeton doesn't care. They were like, do your exams and then y'all can disperse. But I remember it was like that uh, weekend. They're like, by the next weekend, you have to go. But that three, four-day stretch, everyone just kind of went crazy and let loose. Which, at this point, if you think about it, we probably... Because there was COVID on campus, yeah. probably at that no, point. Out, yeah. yeah, and we probably spread it a lot in that last week. But at the same time, we were able to sort of ha- have a last hurrah, and we've not been able to even celebrate or gather in that type of way since then so it was like yeah. a I guess a, a goodbye for for a long time <laughs> but um so sort of last question in relation to charter if there was anyone listening who was trying to consider joining a certain club what what would the appeal be to charter and why would that be the place that anyone should join and as I say that we have the 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 officership of charter walking into the building welcome but um what what would you say is that draw that would make people want to join charter well the president and vice president of charter are in this room right now so i feel a lot they of pressure are, but they, yeah no no pressure they're listening to your every word <laughs> oh wow she's looking at me <laughs> well as i mentioned it's the only club that really felt right for me and it's it's I would say it's the most diverse club on the street. They make sure that every member feels like they matter. And it's it's like super fun. Um, the building is probably the most gorgeous building on the street, my life. Respectfully disagree, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Respectfully disagree. <laughs> and like, no matter who you are, no matter what your interests are, like the officers are going to make sure that you get what you want out of your eating club experience. And I feel like that's the most important thing about joining a club. Gotcha. So, Good answer. I think that, I think they approve. You're getting four thumbs up right now. So <laughs> I I think they approve. Okay. Um. On to the the only recurrent segment that I have so far that I've been doing and I did in the last two episodes. It's, I'd read a post from Tiger Trends, or not Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Confessions, and we just kind of discuss it, talk about your opinion. So, with you, I'm going to do two of them. Mm-hmm. One is, actually no, we'll, yeah, I'll just read them. Okay, so the first one is, at what, at what point does talking become talking talking? And I put those in quotation marks. And at what point does quarantine walk become quarantine walk date? Recently, I've been taking walks with people, but I'm not sure if they see it as a romantic thing or just making friends sort of thing. It's too awkward to ask, too, so I never ask and I never know. Advice, please. And I'm asking you this for two reasons. One, you're in a relationship, so you had the talking phase that then became the relationship, so you probably, you could speak on that. And then also because of the, the column that you write. So, what what are your thoughts? And it's right there if you want to read it. <laughs> Um, okay, I feel like I'm a little out of practice for that reason. I've been in a relationship for a minute now, (laughs) but, um, as a a woman in, like, a heteronormative relationship, I feel like, or for anyone, honestly, when you're talking, like, no one is exclusive until you guys have had clear communication that you're exclusive mm-hmm. and I feel like that goes for dating like especially in college and at Princeton if everyone just explicitly said how they feel in a romantic relationship there would be so much less drama I agree life would be so much easier so I communication like, is key <laughs> in my opinion the bottom line is you're not exclusive until you've had that conversation and if you're not comfortable having that conversation with that person, then maybe it's not the right person to be in a relationship with. But yeah, I'm not a fan of the talking stage at large. I feel like you're either dating casually, dating exclusively, or not dating. Gotcha, gotcha. And yeah, I was, because over, especially during the period when we were allowed to take our one hour walk per day, and that was the only time we were allowed to go outside, 
there were a lot of people I know who this was, they could relate to this because someone would ask them, whether it be through a dating app or just text message, someone would be like, oh, do you want to go on a walk? And everyone was so nervous. They're like, is this a date? Like, what's <laughs> like, what is going on here? Does this mean we're going to fall in love? Like, who knows? Um, so, yeah. In my opinion, and I have not been in a relationship since high school, so I've done a lot of talk. Actually, not even really talking stages. But I will say talking, talking... Does it like it's basically what you said? Communication is key. I don't think until you let someone know that you're trying to be in a relationship with them that it's anything official. And so at that point, you could be in the talking stage with as many people as you would like, and I don't think it's really an issue. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. except for my friends, if you're talking to my friends, then they better be the one when you're talking to. What? Uh, man. <laughs> wow. Okay. So if you're listening, you can be unless you're talking to one of Haley's friends, then that has to be the only person you talk to. But if it's not one of Haley's friends, talk to as many people as, as you would like. Thank you for the clarification. And if it's one of my friends, you could, I don't care. Talk to as, as many people as you want. <laughs> okay, and then the second one that I'm going to read, it says, I came back to campus fully prepared to see people, but also be safe on socially distanced walks or in small groups and rooms. My friends seem to all agree with this and followed all the rules during quarantine. Since it's ended this week, though, they've been increasingly lax. Basically, hanging out maskless in rooms and larger groups than they're supposed to and eating out on a lot on Nassau. I'm uncomfortable with this, and I brought it up multiple times, and basically, response has been either lighten up or don't show up. They won't agree to things like meeting up in smaller groups or on walks. I've just been not showing up, but I can't help but feel a little left out. I know we're getting tested, and things are probably fine, but as someone who, who's been so careful at home, I can't help but get anxious. People I know are definitely not alone in doing this. It doesn't take a lot to see people breaking the social contract in minor ways everywhere. Am I overreacting and just taking things too seriously? Yes, you are. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I mean, personally, I feel like Princeton is doing a really good job, particularly within testing, to try to make sure that we're, like, safe. But I think it's to acknowledge that everyone's have different experiences with COVID, you know, like yeah. some people have lost family members, yeah. whereas some people it's like not touched them in a close way at all. Yeah. So this sounds like, yes, like a health problem, but also like a friendship problem. Like if you, you've expressed to your friends that this is a genuine concern and they're telling you like, lighten up or don't show up, that's so mean. <laughs> Find friends who care about you. Honestly, you're right. If, <laughs> the last two that I've read have also been about friendships, and it just sounds like people are choosing the wrong friends, and they just have kind of bad friends around here, which is interesting because it's this year it's hard to sort of branch out and meet new people, which sucks if a lot of people are stuck in the groups that, the, that they've come in with. But I will say, I mean, a couple things about this. Like, eating on Nassau, I don't think that's, like, that big of a deal mm. if you're just going to get food. I mean, we kind of need to right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean... Yeah, I'm, I love the dining hall, love the staff, but sometimes we need we need options. we need we need different options. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think going to Nassau Street to eat is that big of a deal. And the way I look at this is obviously and again every time this comes up I will state for the record that I will be following the social contract to the T mm -hmm. but I can see how because people we're all getting tested twice a week and a lot of like a lot of us are sure that we're not positive. I could see how that would lead other students to want to gather in groups that are larger than what the university says we can. Because what the rule I think is that it's um, two, whoever the amount of people living in the room plus two, mm -hmm. which is really not that much. So I could see how people would want to push those limits a little bit, and I'm not as mad at it specifically because I know that everyone's being tested so regularly. But if it was a type of thing that, like, we weren't getting tested at all, then I could see the issue with this. But yeah. I think since we are being tested so regularly, um, yeah, it's... I, I don't think it's that, that huge of a deal. Yeah. So you're getting two, two separate opinions here, but that's why we're here, to get... You're, you're getting all different types of advice. It puts me so much more thorough than other public universities yeah. right now. So I feel like we're at one of the best places to be under the conditions. Exactly, exactly. 
And so the question asked, am I overreacting and just taking things too seriously? And I guess like, like Haley said, I would never say that because I don't know your personal experiences with COVID, but I would say that Princeton is a good place to be right now in regards to it because we are all getting tested so often. And so, yeah, it is a, you, like, it's a college campus and people are going to do what they do on college campuses. And that is gather and drink <laughs> and have fun. And that's just going to happen regardless. And so, yeah, if you feel personally uncomfortable with it, definitely just stay away from those groups. And if it's your friends being mean about it, then go find new friends. I th- I've said in the last three episodes, <laughs> this section has been, you need new friends. <laughs> <laughs> go to the Zoom events. The kind of people they're looking for are going to be on the Zoom events. Exactly. So. Exactly. Okay, boom. So I think that's a, a good wrap on our entire confession section. And then the very last thing mm-hmm. is the Princeton-specific would you rather. Let me... Where is that? I should probably add more questions to this. These have been... Oh, whatever. I think I'm going to need a... When I have a guest that's not Princeton, that'll step force me to come up with new questions. But, okay. Uh, for dining halls, Roma or Whitman... I mean, right now. No, in in, 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 in regular times, <laughs> in regular pre pre COVID times. Um, that's tough. I'm gonna have to say Roma because they have the best grilled cheeses Great across answer. campus. Great answer. Everyone has said Roma so far, and Roma has Howard. Nowhere else has Howard. Howard's the best. Um, would you rather go to a varsity sports game or a dance show? Um. Varsity sports game to watch my man. There you go. Good answer. I was about to say. <laughs> That's the right answer for you. Um, eating club or co-op? Yeah, eating club. Uh, outdoor action or community action, which I will get into on another podcast because I realize I keep saying those letters, but no one knows what that means if they don't go to Princeton. Community action because I'm not I'm not a nature girl at all. So you didn't live on a farm in Kansas is what I you're saying? Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, Bridger or global seminar? Uh, Global Seminar. Global Seminar, nice. Wawa or Hoagie Haven? Wawa. Nice. Uh, A and B, like the bar Aquas and Barrister, or Ivy M, the other bar? I don't think I've been either one. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, which sounds more fun, based off the names? Um, the second one. <laughs> Ivy M, boom, beautiful. Okay, that's it. Um, that's the episode. Thank you for being a guest, Haley. Thank you. That you, was fun. I'm glad you had a good time. I hope the listeners enjoy. If you are still listening and you've listened to all 52 minutes and 21 seconds, I love you and I appreciate you. And yeah, that's been episode five. Thank you for going with the flow.